on this episode of TR Talk. I don't think any of us have found our our potential yet. I don't think we've reached our limits in in any venue. Um, and so for me, I will just keep exploring this uh, long distance running thing. But I think no matter what your passion is, everyone should just keep trying to push those limits of of what's possible if I really invest my my time and energy into this. What's going on, everybody? It's episode 15 of TR Talk. This is Ryan Warner, and I'm here with my co-host, Tommy Taholemo. Today's guest is the one and only Courtney Dewalter. I say one and only because he just won a 238-mile foot race across the Moab Desert in Utah. She was just on Joe Rogan. She's really heating up the ultramarathon world right now, and we could not be more excited to have her on the podcast today. This week's TR Talk Fan of the Week is Sarah Watson, who hails from my hometown, home of the Maple Leafs, Genesis, Illinois. Thank you for listening, Sarah. Really appreciate it. For those of you savage TR Talk fans who want to support the podcast, I got three things for you. Go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, give us a rating, and retweet us on social. Thank you for all the love and support. We're having a blast doing this. and can't thank you folks enough. As always, this is TR Talk, where we're interviewing leaders in their field to learn how millennials can make an impact in today's workforce. Get those running shoes on, put the earbuds in, and hit the trails as we go into an interview with Courtney Dewalter. Good morning from the studio in San Francisco. This is Ryan Warner, and I'm here with my co-host, Tom Alemo. Welcome to the show, y'all. Folks, today we have the one, the only, Courtney Dewalter on the podcast. Courtney, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Now, Courtney, how many miles have you ran so far today? 100? 200? <laughs> <laughs> it's still early. I just got through my coffee. <laughs> Don't be modest, Courtney. We know you've ran about 50 with a bear on your back at this point <laughs> through the hills of Colorado. I mean, uh, I would expect nothing less. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Tom and I are, are really excited. And just to kick things off, you just completed a 238-mile foot race. I'll say that again, folks. 238 miles. And you beat the second closest competitor by over 10 hours at the Moab 240. So let's just let's just kick things off there. Could you speak to that experience a little bit, Courtney? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it was the furthest I had ever traveled with my feet. So it was really cool to stand at the start line of this 238-mile adventure and, and know that I got to spend multiple days um, out doing something that I love. The Moab area is really beautiful. So um, we got to run through amazing like canyons and um, mountains and desert. I mean, it was fantastic. The whole experience was really cool. Yeah, no, and it, it, we saw some of the pictures. It looks beautiful. And Oh my gosh. And so what's the, it, I think you've been quoted that some of your motivation is really trying to push your mind and push your body, but like you have to be some sort of sick freak to be signing up for a 240 <laughs> mile foot race. Um, so what, yeah, what's inspiring you to run these and, and push yourself so hard? 
yeah, I mean, I just keep um, looking for the next thing. So after the 100-mile distance, um, the next logical trail race to try was a 200-mile distance. Um, and this one just happened to have 38 extra miles tacked onto the end of it. So, <laughs> so it was uh, even even more bang for my buck there um, in the Moab race. <laughs> well, and you hold the, the U.S. record for uh, uh, miles ran in a 24-hour period, 155 miles. But this one's a little bit different because you're out there in the element. So, so take us back to the start. Did you start Friday morning, Thursday morning? When It started Friday morning. So Friday morning. Okay, so Friday morning, you get to the race. You know, What are you carrying with you when you start the race? Yeah, great question. Um, the... Sections between aid stations were pretty long, like anywhere from um, 15 to 22 miles. So I had with me at the beginning enough um, bottles on in my pack to carry uh, two and a half liters of water and then some snacks, some food for the road. I had a an iPod shuffle with me in case I needed to like boost myself up with some Michael Jackson. Um, and just some emergency like layering stuff in case the desert turned, um, suddenly cold or suddenly rainy. We were lucky. We had a great forecast for the whole stretch of the race though. Um, so we didn't have to deal with planning for thunderstorms or running through that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so I'm I'm interested in the uh, you mentioned the the iPod shuffle. Obviously, if the race is multiple days, that bad boy is going to die at some point. Did you ever turn it on? Did you ever listen to it, or is it all just um, you know kind of you're alone with your thoughts? Yeah, kind of a mixture of both. I um, used it the first day, probably for a couple hours, maybe three hours of music on the first day, and I did maybe three or four hours of music on the second day. Um, but otherwise, a lot of like, I mean, at the beginning, I was running with people. So we got to chat and share stories and um, enjoy the desert together. And then um, being alone with your thoughts can be a really fun experience as well. So I did plenty of that. No, and we certainly, uh, certainly can agree with that. We, you know, we were talking before the show, we getting into some long distance running ourselves, and it's almost like a form of meditation almost. Um, and so it's kind of refreshing. And so, so Friday you're, you're trucking along, let's say you're 10 hours into it. What place are you in before you head into the freezing cold desert night on Friday? What place like in In the the race? race? Yeah. Are you Um, leading the whole time? Are you coming through the pack? No, I think I was running in second place for a lot of the first hundred miles or so. I was kind of back and forth with, um, the guy who was leading, Okay. Because he would be, um, his pace was really quick. So he would pass me when we were out on the course. But then when he would get to aid stations, he usually, it seemed like, was crawling in his crew vehicle and taking a little nap. So then I would pass him back and we were kind of yo-yoing like that for a little bit. Interesting. And so you bring up the the naps. This is probably the thing that I thought was most interesting. So the, the race spanned several days and you slept for 21 total minutes. Is that right? 21 minutes. <laughs> Set into two different naps. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was a 20 minute nap and a one minute nap. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even, I can't even fathom that. 
Yeah. And the 20 minutes was actually pretty, um, it was pretty lousy sleep. Like I didn't actually fall asleep during those 20 minutes, but I was laying intentionally closing my eyes and um, kind of bundling under a sleeping bag that we had in the back of our car and was pretty bummed leaving after that 20 minutes that I hadn't gotten good sleep because I felt like I really needed it. Um, a few miles down the, the trail from where I slept for 20 minutes, I um, was falling asleep as I was running, zigzagging all over. I couldn't keep my eyes open and was lucky that at that point in the race, I had a pacer with me. So a friend who could um, cover the miles with me and keep me company through the, those nighttime hours. Um, and he suggested I lay down and take a nap. So I, I told him to wake me in one minute. And it was like actually the best sleep I've ever gotten, I think. <laughs> That's just insane to hear and believe, but we'll take your word for it since you've been there, Courtney. <laughs> Now, was this night one or night two? That was night two. Night one, so, I didn't sleep at all. And you're just, so you're trucking through and and how cold does it get at the desert at night? Yeah, so we got into the LaSalle mountain range, which um, is just right outside Moab. And it got to be about nine degrees in those mountains. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, quite, quite cold. <laughs> And so does your crew bring you the gear like halfway through the, the night or how, how does all that work? Um, well, I was carrying a lot of it or um, they were meeting me at different aid stations. So the aid station that I saw them at before I was headed into this mountain range, it was still, it was 3 p.m. or something. It was still hot out, but we knew that I wouldn't see them again until the sun had set. So I carried with me then all the jackets and hats and mittens that um, I intended to use for that night section. So it's a lot of like planning ahead and, and thinking through where you're going to be when you next get to see your crew um, and what you're going to need before they, you'll be able to meet up with them again. Interesting. And so for the mental side of it, right? Like, so the, the race is 238 miles. And so let's say you're, hundred miles in, right? For a normal race, that's, it's either over or it's a great accomplishment, but you have another 138 to go. Like <laughs> you think, are you thinking about, all right, let's just get to the next aid station. Or are you thinking about something else or you turn your brain off or what, what goes through your mind? Yeah. Uh, it kind of reels through all of those. Um, so got to a hundred miles and, and was still feeling really good. I think it was the, um, middle of the first night or like the early, early morning hours of the, um, that first day and, um, tried to just live in the moment and take it piece by piece. Um, so a lot of times I was just trying to go from aid station to aid station and not even really thinking about how many miles I had already covered or how many I was going to cover still. Um, but just being as present as I could and enjoying it and trying to um, really like savor, I guess, the experience of being out there doing this huge adventure with um, my husband and with some friends and with the other people in this race and all the volunteers and stuff. 
When it's got to tap into that explorer gene that that humans have, because you're out there on your own, just exploring this terrain. You know, again, I know you have a pacer. I know you have your team and there's other racers, but how much of it were you completely by yourself? Would you say, you know, 200 miles of it or, or less than that? Um, let's see. I think I probably did maybe 150-ish miles by myself. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you you ended up finishing how far above how far before the next guy? Ten hours was it? It was ten hours about. <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just pump the brakes. Let's stop here. You got ninety other savages out there who <laughs> just training for 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 weeks on end. You know, we're big followers of Cam Haynes. He was running a marathon a day. But you, with your nacho and, and beer diet, you finished 10 hours ahead of everybody. That's got to tap into some crazy mental power you have. And that's something I wanted to the segue to is, you know, you like these things because it, you, because it allows you to tap into your brain and see how far you can push. Um, so where does that come from? Oh, gosh. Well, yeah. I mean, just a curiosity for our human, like the human body and the human brain and, um, the combined capabilities of those things is, is mind blowing. Like, I don't think any of us have found our, our potential yet. I don't think we've reached our limits in, in any venue. Um, and so for me, I will just keep exploring this, uh, long distance running thing, but I think no matter what, your passion is everyone should just keep trying to push those limits of of what's possible if i really invest my my time and energy into this and i don't know like what it stems from originally for me um <laughs> besides like that little bit of crazy that there must be <laughs> but but yeah. i'm having a lot of fun doing it so i will continue to um try and push those limits as long as it it stays fun and and interesting for me. That that's awesome. And so you mentioned the you know having a curiosity for the human body and the brain. And it seems like that compared to other folks that we follow, your training regimen and your planning is more so like you just kind of go with the flow versus like I need to run twelve miles today at this pace versus you just kind of go out there and and it doesn't seem like you have like a, a very uh, strict regimen or anything like that. I'd love to hear you talk about that. And maybe that's why, or one of the reasons why you're able to crush these races, because you don't have that limit in your mind that says, all right, I can only run a hundred miles. My pace is going to be this. And that's like the best my body can do. But since you just kind of go out there um, and shoot for the stars, you're able to, to really kind of crush it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. I don't have a training plan. I, I do a lot of training. So while I um, eat nachos and drink beer very regularly, I also am like putting in the work to um, physically prepare my body for for these long races, these long efforts. Um, but I do. I just I just listen to my body and and the day and how it's feeling. And um, sometimes when I leave my house, I don't even know where I'm running or how long I'm running for. I'll just see what happens while I'm out there and. Um, if it's a really good day, then maybe I'll end up, um, covering way more miles than I might've initially had planned if, um, I was following a training plan. So 
Well, let's go back to maybe a month, maybe six weeks out before the Moab, because I know you did the Run Rabbit Run race about a month out. But let's say you're in the the peak of your training. I'm assuming you're running seven days a week. Is that That right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And so seven days a week, you know, what time are you waking up to run? How far are you running? Do you have any, uh, just any, you know, averages at all in your training? We'd love to hear what that looks like. Um, I average probably a hundred miles per week. Um, I think my highest I ever hit is maybe 120 and usually don't dip much below like 80, I guess. Um, so my body puts up with pretty high volume um, well so far, knock on wood. <laughs> um, and my day usually starts with some coffee and uh, then I'll hit the trails in the morning hours and um, just see what happens while I'm out there. I'm lucky right now I'm not I don't actually have a day job, so I have a lot of flexibility in my days and what the schedule looks like. Yeah, it's so cool that the school you used to teach at, you was it seemed pretty open to letting you train and if you wanted to come back you could. So that's that's an incredible opportunity, probably something that uh you know just takes so much other stress off your plate. I mean, all you have to do is run and then, you know, when you get done running, for example, do you do you uh do some yoga or what does the rest of your day look like after you get done running? Yeah, there's a gym near my house that I'll usually end my run at. Um, and then I'll do some core work there and maybe curl some dumbbells if I'm feeling, <laughs> if I'm feeling sassy. <laughs> but, um, then my husband will usually get home. He has flexible work hours as well. So he's home in the early afternoon and then we'll either um, do something fun in town or sometimes we'll go for a run so that he can get some miles in or... Um, I don't know, just normal life stuff, I guess. I don't know how normal that is, but it's it's the envy of Tom and I. We we were just talking how fun it would be to to just podcast and run like that all the time. And I, you live in such a beautiful place; the trails up there must be incredible. Oh my gosh, um, they're so beautiful. We'll make it happen. Do like I know, I know. An adventure, you know. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I know. Uh, well, you're certainly a, a mo- motivating source for Tom and I, I'm sure thousands and, and maybe tens of thousands of folks at this point. Oh, gosh. Um, Thank you. So, oh, it's true. It's definitely true. What's most pronounced to us is just your ability to push through adversity. So this story is absolutely mind-boggling, maybe even more mind-boggling than the 238-mile run. But a month before the Moab, you did a, a tune-up race of a you know, just a 100-mile race, nothing crazy. <laughs> Um, it was the run rabbit run race and you won it, but, um, could you tell us what happened about, you know, 10 miles left in that race? So you're cruising along, you're in the lead and what starts to happen in that race? Yeah. My vision started blurring on the sides and I, it was early morning. So I was like, Oh, maybe it's like that cold that, that you get at about 5am or maybe it's my contacts just, uh, getting a little fuzzy Maybe it's my headlamp that's fading out. Like I thought maybe the batteries were dying on it um, because everything was just kind of blurring and getting really like I had no depth perception. I couldn't make out details of the trail. Um, And after messing around with my eyes for a while, like I was splashing water on my face and playing around with my contacts a little bit. 
I just figured there was nothing I could do about it. So I kept running. And um, as the miles passed, um, my vision totally faded out to just pure white. So the blurriness changed over to just a whiteout, um, which in now what I found out after the fact is it was a corneal edema. And it is from like grit and dust in the air and sometimes like altitude or nutrition um, can play into it and oftentimes associated with if you're wearing contact lenses. So you're 90 plus miles in and you virtually go blind. All you see is white. Like, why don't you just stop, Courtney? <laughs> just stop running. You call someone over and say, hey, I need some help. I cannot see a thing, but you just keep running and then you win the race. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, stopping didn't cross my mind. Um, also, I was out on this trail where the only solution to my problem was to keep going so that I could get to the next aid station. And then it was like a six mile kind of wider road section. Um, so I'm out on this single track in the mountains of Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And the only logical solution is to keep going because what is stopping going to do for me? Um, so it didn't really cross my mind to stop. <laughs> So you're in the Colorado Rockies, for good Lord, blind, running, leading a race. Just good Lord, Courtney. Good. I don't even know what to oh, say. say. Um, but this gets at a deeper issue because like, everyone we talk to says, hey, you know, motivation weans. You need to have a strong why or a strong purpose. So what is your why or what is your purpose for doing this? I mean, you seem to love it, which is probably a big part of it, but... What keeps you going when you can't see? Yeah, definitely a love for it. Um, and then combined with just this curiosity of the human potential and, and what we can achieve if we, like you were saying earlier, like throw um, limits to the wind and, and forget what we think we're supposed to be able to do, but just go for it and see what we actually can do um, if we invest our energy into something and really dedicate, like, our time and um, the, just that mental piece of it, like don't give yourself excuses or reasons to quit. Um, and I think we can all achieve way more than, than we think. So how much of it is the mind versus the body, do you think? I think a lot of it is the mind, especially as the races get longer, it becomes less about um, that physical piece. Obviously your body is important, but it becomes a huge just mental mental game with yourself and um, with trying to kind of trick yourself through those really low moments into um, being strong again and, and to continue moving forward. And do you think about the other runners at all during it or is it all just you versus you? Um, I mean, I'm really competitive, but I would say I'm most competitive with myself. So I want to finish the race knowing that was everything that I had on that day. Um, and I dealt with all the obstacles and different scenarios as best as possible. So I'm absolutely competing with the people out there, but also I'm um, just trying to make sure that I am competing to my highest standard um, so that at the end of it, I'm not like wondering what if. 
And did you did you have any um, wonderings like that after the Moab, or did you know you that was the absolute fastest you could run it, or or could you go further, or could you have run it faster? You think? Um, I mean, I would love to try and beat that time. So if I went back there next year or in the next few years, I would absolutely try and put it together better, um, more efficiently. When I finished Moab this year, I um, it was all so enjoyable and such a great experience. So I wasn't like instantly kicking myself over if I could have gone faster, but I'm positive in 58 hours of time, there's areas where you can shave off minutes, you know, which then leads to hours of time dropped. So to the guy that was came limping in 10 hours after you, that was not her best. She could have done better. She let up on you and don't even come back no, next year. She was still running great. Um, and, and I think we all should want to like keep improving, you know, yeah. why would I finish and say that was the absolute best I could do there? Then it's like setting a limit, you know? Yeah. How, uh, I can only imagine what the Moab scene was like. Courtney comes strolling in, <laughs> takes the cake. She wins it. Hour later, you're sitting around drinking beers. Nothing happens. Two hours later, 10 hours later, <laughs> he comes running through. And then Cam Haynes, our idol, he's still way out there. And it's like another 24 hours. I just can't imagine. Like, you're just hanging out with, with Candace and the crew, slamming beers down, waiting for the next guy to come in. It's just, it's just incredible. Um, can't even believe it, to be honest with you. Um, so I know we have about five minutes left. We want to shift into some questions from the audience. Um, so, you know, first thing for me is, what is your motivation for some of your upcoming races here? You're doing a 100-mile race. You already hold the U.S. record. What's your motivation for it? To keep improving, keep getting better. Um, my next race is a 24-hour race on a quarter-mile track, um, and I will be trying my very best to improve upon my previous best distance um, by hopefully stringing together all the pieces a little more efficiently and a little um, with a few less hiccups along the way, you know? <laughs> so for those of us who used to have to run the mile in gym class in high school, those four laps seem like the end <laughs> of the world. How many laps will you run in 24 hours? Oh gosh. Well, my previous best was 155, so you can do the math on how many how many laps that yeah. requires. <laughs> that's it, the quick math. That's over 600. I don't even know 620. Yeah. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. Of, a lot of times, uh, though, on those track ones, they let us change direction every four hours. Oh, well, that's nice yeah. of them. That's that's, <laughs> that's a real of them. perk. <laughs> oh, that's a perk. Gentlemen and a scholar, they are. They let you change directions. <laughs> oh, man. Change the scenery a little oh. then. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're not sleeping on those, I'm guessing, right? You're just straight no, through? No, ideally, there's no sleep during those. You need every minute to um, cover distance. Yeah. Hmm. Um <laughs> so, so another question from, from the audience is, what's one bad piece of advice that you hear about running oh gosh um i don't know i think all the advice i've heard has good intentions it's just um like kind of a narrow a narrow view of it um i guess for me my shorts 
are one thing that people like to give advice on because the shorts I wear have a like 12 inch inseam. Um, so they're a little mm-hmm. bit longer. And a lot of times people will try and tell me that if I wore the short shorts or the um, tighter material shorts that I would be shaving minutes off my off my time. <laughs> so I think I think but any advice about what yeah about what thing. to wear is like people should wear exactly what they are comfortable in, and um, that should be one thing yeah. you don't worry about when you're out there running. But the people who are commenting on Courtney's shorts. Just zip it, people. All right, zip it. Leave her alone. The lady just beat everyone by ten hours. Okay, just I don't want to hear another comment about her yeah, shorts well, from anybody. Don't knock it till you try it, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so, Courtney, I'm a bit of a gear junkie. Could you walk us through what kind of pack were you wearing? What kind of shoes were you wearing? Yeah, just the gear you had from. Yeah, I wore one pair of shoes the entire race. There, the um, Solomon Sense Ride. They're an awesome kind of like hybrid shoe that's great for trails and um, technical stuff but I also use them on the roads and bike paths around my house and um, so they're very versatile great cushioning Um, and I wear in gingy socks which are toe socks Um, and for me the combination of those made it so I had very few if any blisters um, which was really cool and a Solomon hydration pack um, and Solomon t-shirt shorts. Um, yeah, I was eating Honey Stinger products. Um, I think those are delicious and they sit really well in my stomach. So I'm loading those in as much as possible. I just lit up when you talked about the Njinji socks. Tom makes fun of me every time I wear the toe socks, but I, I love uh, them yeah, myself. They're awesome. You're <laughs> Thank welcome. Thank you, Courtney. <laughs> 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 well, cool. Well, I think that's it. Uh, we want to we want to let you get back to the trails, um, Courtney. This has been a real honor and, and something Tom and I have looked forward to ever since we booked this. So, so thank you very much. Last question from me is: What was it like going into Joe Rogan oh Studio? Oh my gosh, he 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 was really nice, and um, it was a really cool experience to to be there and to go on the podcast was. Um, a whirlwind. I I didn't expect it. And um, he just made it like I was pretty nervous. So he made it so I could, um, I don't know, like talk, have a conversation, you know, like normal. (laughs) He is. I mean, I've been listening to him for seven years, probably six to 700 of his podcasts. I'm just obsessed with the guy. Joe Rogan, if you're listening, <laughs> come on the podcast, man. We love you. Um, at, at any given time in our apartment, Joe Rogan's on the on the Bose speaker. But so did he just like fly you out there right after the race? I mean, it was like the day after. I don't understand. Like, so you get there. I mean, yeah, it, it all happened work out? really quickly, but flew out to LA, um, got to spend a, a day at the studio with him and um, we went and did some cryotherapy after the show, <laughs> and uh, he did yeah, talk you yeah. into it. Then had okay, to try it. Okay. Um, yeah, and then flew back to Denver. It was it was amazing and crazy and um, really unexpected after after running a race. And and he just obviously heard about it. Well, he's friends with Cam Haynes too, and he just reached out. I was like, Hey, you want to come on? We'll fly you out. We'll do this. We'll do that. We'll we'll send you on your way. I mean, that's a pretty cool cool. experience. Very grateful. That's cool. 
Awesome. Well, I know I said that was the last question, but I almost forgot to ask, and I'd, I'd just kick myself if I didn't ask what, what the studio was like and what what the Joe Rogues was like, because he seems, he seems awesome. He's like a father figure to Tom and I, I swear to God. It's crazy. We've never even met the guy, but uh, we're obsessed with him. Um, so uh, again, Courtney, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been a real honor, and, and oh, we hope to talk to you so again much. soon. You guys, good luck in your 50K. Thank you. Yeah, we're uh, we're excited to do it coming up in uh, gonna, what three or four months from now. It. Yeah, we're gonna do it. The the audience doesn't even know we're doing that oh, yet. Sorry. So now we're on the hook. Fifty k <laughs> in March. No, that's good. That's good. Now we have the accountability. So uh, so no, um, yeah, we're excited for it, and we will certainly be listening to your podcast with Joe Rogan on that race. It's it's just well, a huge well, inspiration. Thank to you us. So, so much. Thank you again. What's up, you crazy cats? You ready to go run a couple 240-mile races or what? Because that was a killer one with Courtney. We're ready to run right now. If you'd like to support the TR Talk podcast, please support. You can go on to iTunes, click the subscribe button, click the review button, hit five stars. Count it one, two, three, four, five. Also, share us out on social media. Share with your friends. We'd love that. Coming on our next episode, we got the family edition around the table. T-Dub, Tanner Warner joining us. We're pumped for that one. We got a big December coming out. Uh, We're going to do some promotions for that. Stay tuned for the next episode, y'all. Out.